Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone in between or irrespective of that binary, welcome back to Infinity City. You can call me Elliot because that's my name. I use he, him, and they, them pronouns. And today I am the token white guy as we jump into our Eastwind Q&A slash recap. So yeah, I'm gonna facilitate this, but the main people involved are the important ones, and I will introduce them to you now, starting with the illustrious GM, and one of the reasons that this happened, Connor. <laughs> illustrious. I've never gotten that before. <laughs> I'm, I, I, oh, this is my peak right here. You're so powerful <laughs> and illustrious. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would also add it hot. Yeah, like, but God. that's unprofessional. I don't want to objectify Connor on the podcast. Mm -hmm. That's what DMs are for. Yeah. I want to only work with hot GMs. That's it. <laughs> oh, this knowledge. I have <laughs> I I have been like elevated to a whole new status. I am <laughs> hot and illustrious and uh, <laughs> and I, a DM. Yeah, and a GM. I can't uh, it's all up from here. That's too much power. <laughs> yeah. So you want to tell us a little bit about yourself where people can find you, etc.? So I'm Conador Crunch on Twitter. I don't use it a whole lot. Where you should really find me is to just go to the Magpie website and click play with this GM. It's not an actual button that says that, but you'll navigate through. I trust you. And then you can play with me. That's it. <laughs> Our listeners are smart and also very hot, so they exactly. can figure it out. And they can find other hot, illustrious GMs. They can now find this one on Magpie's. Oh, it needs to be like an app or an ad in the background, like hot GMs <laughs> in your area. Hot oh, illustrious GMs want uh, to run games for you. <laughs> Click here. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Feeling lonely, hot illustrious GMs in your local area. Has anyone done Twitter, a Tinder, but for role playing groups? I'm sure. I'm sure there's got to be an app for that where you just swipe left or right and then. Uh, eventually you get matched with five people that you're <laughs> going to be very, have a lot of chemistry with. I think we've given the the private sector in Silicon Valley enough enough room to work with the different apps we've developed for them. We don't need to keep giving them money. <laughs> yeah, that's like... true. <laughs> <laughs> this is my idea. I'm trademarking it right now. I call it Tender PG. Nope, that's, I'll get it. I'll get it. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Tinder top. No, oh, no, 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 <laughs> it, it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> All right. Next up is another hot, illustrious person who is majorly responsible for this happening. It's JPG. Hi, everyone. I'm JPG. I am a pop culture consultant and educator. Uh, you can find me on all social media at SpeakerJPG, and you can look up all my work under my link tree, which is linktree slash SpeakerJPG as well. And thank you for being on this journey with us. I very much appreciated it. And I am the only not hot one here, so. Shut I, up. I, uh, uh, hard disagree. Yeah. I, uh, Your Honor, I'd like to approach the bench. All right. The hot hits just keep on coming. It's Jordan. Hi. My name is Jordan. I use they, she pronouns. I'll be reprising my role as Jordan. <laughs> Your most critically acclaimed role to date. Yeah. <laughs> the once and future Jordan. <laughs> yeah. The one and only. That's a lie. There are so many Jordan wins. There's like millions of wins out there and they all share, I don't know, 50 first names. It's upsetting. 
I've actually met another Jordan Wynn, and my sister has met like multiple people with her name too. It's wild. We're not unique, except me, um, which you can find on Twitter at Cuttlefish Tweet, where you can say nice things or heckle me, and you can find everything else in the Lictree or bio or whatever equivalent I have. Who else is on this podcast who is super hot and illustrious and absolutely wonderful? Before I move on to our last hot, illustrious analyst, I just want to say that was a hell of a segue. 10 out of 10 professionalism. Good Thank job. You. Way to go. <laughs> and last but not least, I also want to say that I'm not objectifying anybody. I mean that you're hot in a platonic way, and I appreciate you. Also, joining us is the hot, illustrious new person to the AP space, if I'm not mistaken, Ken. Hi, yes, I am Ken. I've actually been in the AP space for about 41 years now. But as far as the, oh, you mean AP is actual play. Okay. I was like thinking AP, AAPI. I'm like, I've always been there. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how that, but you meant actual play. My, um, I just got that. I just, yeah, <laughs> my bad. No, it's all good. So thank you for having me. I was going to say, I, it is like, it's relatively warm here in Southern California. So I'll, I'll take the hot and... I'm totally derailing myself, but I've felt been described as more uncanny than illustrious, but I'll take the new descriptor. <laughs> and yeah, thank you for having me. I definitely really enjoyed playing with everyone. I highly recommend finding Jordan and playing with them and with Connor. Sorry, brains shutting down. <laughs> when you'd said it earlier, when you said, oh yeah, find me on the Magpie site and play with me. I was like, Connor, there's some phrasing there. You might want to adjust. <laughs> I don't know. And then... I got names turned around because I'm very flustered and still feeling new to the uh, actual play space. So I apologize for every mistake and find me online and berate me there. <clears throat> and I use he, him pronouns. It's so succinct. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> for every mistake as well. I just want to be clear. <laughs> I don't know that I've made any, but... <laughs> oh, I've made tons and I hate it every time and know oh. that in the middle of the night, it will keep me up when I'm like, I fed the cats and I'm going to bed. And I'm like, oh yeah, I said that. I didn't. Yes, those. Hey, know that my mistakes will haunt me for the rest of my late days. I'm infallible, but I apologize on the behalf of everybody here. <laughs> <laughs> I Look, I haven't been proven that I've made a mistake. So I'm, as of right now, infallible, but I'm open to new evidence being presented. It's just that thus far, all experimentation proves that I'm perfect. That's wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm literally making mistakes right now as y'all are talking. <laughs> yeah? How so? Don't worry about it, Jordan. <laughs> I can hear the sound of fire like off screen. <laughs> Live fast, take chances. All right. We'll get right into the cues so we can A them. You all know how Q&As work. And also we'll just be like recapping and chatting and talking about things that we liked and didn't like and would improve for future Eastwind seasons. Should they happen? They probably will because this was absolutely amazing. So I'm going to jump into this sort of from the beginning with a question I came up with for JPG, because this has been in the works in some form or another for a year and a half now. Oh, yeah. And so I guess my first question to you is uh, basically what made you want to put all this together? What was the inspiration behind this? I think a lot of it is racism but 
<laughs> Sorry, that was a joke. That was a joke that did not land. Okay, it landed. It was good. <laughs> I laughed. Special thanks. Don't worry, Don't worry JPG. I laughed at the racism. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Um, Sh- special shout out to racism. Yeah, okay, we- okay. I, I said that as a joke. Anytime I say something as a joke, there's always there's probably always a little bit of truth to it. But the truth of the matter is that I am trying to be an emerging voice in this space. It is incredibly hard to break through in order to be an important voice in the TTRPG space. Uh, and I think my goal for this was to just put all of that aside and to tell a story that means something specifically to me and people that look like me. And I think when, Elliot, when you had approached me about this, my immediate gut reaction is I want to make this happen, but do not have the time. And a lot of people are very dismissive when I say that, when they're like, oh, everybody has the same 24 hours in the day. I promise you... I am doing more in that 24 hours than you think. And if you know me in my personal life, you've seen the 18 different colors in my Google calendar. I plan everything to the hour. So when I told Elliot, I want to do this, but I do not have the time, Elliot straight up believed me. Yeah, I get, I've had a small glimpse into your schedule and stuff through like Twitter and just talking to you as a person. So yeah, I, I definitely get it. So to be able to keep the passion for what we wanted to put out there and to have to keep it over that like 18 month period of good Lord, I do not have the time. I think it's a feat in and of itself. And the fact that we put out one episode of this, much less a whole art is still something I am insanely proud about. Well, and to expand on that even, like behind the scenes, I don't know that I've ever played a game like this before in terms of scheduling where like we just played anytime we had the availability to. Normally it's, oh yeah, we'll do this week or something. Like most of my like regular games are like a night on the week, in the week, right? Where it's like recurring the same time, same place, time. But this one, we had a lot of moving targets to hit and we still did it anyways. We overcome every obstacle, overcome Oh my God. Oh my God. I just said overcome and overcoded. That's going to be there forever now. That's actually for our, that's for our spicy ERP playthrough of Eastwood. We're we're calling it the overcoming. I hate it. Honestly, I said it out loud. Jordan and I hate it myself. I I tried to save Connor from the bad joke and I made an even worse one. Hold on. I can tell Sean, like Sean Connery in the Highlander, the sensation you're experiencing it's called the overcoming. <laughs> so sorry. I, I could do it with, as Sean Connery. Let me try one more time. He's Scottish, right? The sensation you are experiencing is the overcoming. Nope, I don't have it. I don't have Sean Connery. <laughs> that, that sounded like Grover doing Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> Sesame Street, here I come. <laughs> Which is 100% a movie I would pay to watch. <laughs> See, and now it's just, I just want to recast a lot of that as just the Muppets. The sensation you're overcoming is the overcoming. I've been you for so long and I've never heard you make that voice. That Elmo <laughs> is flawless, Ken. Oh my God. Oh my God. God. The this fact is that we, everything. The fact that we did not use this. This is Eastwind season two right here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Mm-hmm. 
All right. JPG, did you have anything more to add on to that? Or was, I don't remember where we left off. No, not really. <laughs> okay. Uh, we left off at, and I quote, schedules, bro. Question yeah, mark. Sketch, <laughs> schedules, bro. <laughs> yeah, but, well, yeah. And schedules and casting and yeah. It's mm -hmm. a, uh, I think and editing people, and organizing, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I tend to laugh in the face of people who belittle the things that I do whenever they're like, oh, hey, yeah, like I always thought about starting an, an actual play. <laughs> That's, I will immediately laugh in your face if you ever say that to me. If you ever heard someone say, oh, yeah, there's a lot of good money in podcasting. There's a like, lot of good money. Oh, that yeah. Is a, <laughs> that is an Where? inside joke. Oh, yeah. my God. All right. Next up on my questions list is going to our illustrious and hot GM, Connor. So my question for you, and I think you touched on it a little bit already. When it came to Eastwind, how did you approach or prep for this in comparison to your other Masks games, whether that's curated play or own games? What's the sort of compare and contrast on that look like? Or was it any different? I do the same thing prep-wise that I do across the board, which I is I know the world really well. And then I just improvise what would happen in that world sort of thing. This was a little different from that, though, in that I wanted to have a specific overarching theme to the plot, which was that uh, there's probably smarter words to say this with like more concisely, there's this notion among racists, right? That the default way, the white way is the best way. And I wanted to show why that wasn't the case. And that's all I wanted to do. And so everything that I did was like motivating that underwriting theme. And I didn't necessarily have that written down in a way that I do when I normally write things down when I prep them, which is like just a series of bullet points. I think this was just like, I'm approaching this game with a specific philosophy. And and then, like I said, I do with all my other games, I improvise. And so a lot of the stuff was there from the start. A lot of the characters I knew I was going to introduce, I had no idea how it was going to end. I hoped it would end with them beating the racist white vampires, but I'm so glad that it actually did. You know, what if it hadn't? <laughs> Yeah, now that I think about it, our roles could have went real <laughs> bad on that. I have, so I've, I, I just actually ha experienced my first like TPK in masks. I've never had one. Um, oh. Yeah, it's pretty rare because like the way the powerful blows work, you can choose to go down or you can choose to just keep making the situation worse on yourself and the people around you. You don't have to ever go down if you don't want to, but yeah, like I've still never, ever come across a fight where the villains win. And but then I did. It's <laughs> oh shoot. For those new to the AP space, a TPK is uh, take a powerful kill. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's total party kill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, in okay. masks, your characters can't die. So the characters didn't die. They were not in the game where I experienced the TPK. They didn't die. They were just knocked out and kidnapped okay. by a. Uh, by Mystique because it was my X-Men game. But uh, yeah, so it's wild that I have that knowledge now because I was under the assumption that, yeah, it's just like a party, like a superhero group will never lose because they don't have to. They can just keep making the situation worse on themselves <laughs> narratively, which is 
also very fun. Sometimes it makes losing like the better option. I think I got derailed there though. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Like I said, I want this to be like free form, loosey goosey. I, yeah, I just didn't want to cut you off and move on and be like, okay, that's nice. Anyway, but yeah, jumping off of what you just said, Ken, this was your first time, like at least actual play podcasting, if not podcasting in general. So my question for you is essentially like what inspired you or what made you want to jump into this and did you like how did you find the experience i found so multiple layers i found the experience very awesome like everyone was very welcoming and understanding of my lack of experience i've done like role playing and on a tabletop but more usually more d dice focused or D, &D focused uh, where you have, oh, these are your stats, you can min, max, so forth. This is definitely a different, more of a storytelling component with the math system. So that's where it was very much, oh, wait, so I can just, I can storytelling way create a, an energy axe out of, like, I didn't have it. I'm so used to, like, if I, could, I, if I hit my encumbrance level, I have to worry about this, so I can't carry an axe that I didn't have before this. But through these st storytelling devices that this game gives you, I can just be like, oh, yeah, no, it was there. I just didn't pull it out until I needed it for that last moment. And it's that it's very freeing and it's but it's also hard for my brain to adjust to that because I'm like, I'm so ingrained in me like, oh, if you didn't stop at the shopkeeper, you couldn't have carried it with you. And that's that was definitely a departure. Um, and coming to the podcast was a unique I was or maybe not unique, but it was different for me as I was far more trepidatious when JPG approached me. I have my my heritage is actually I had certain underlying ideas of what it was. There's a longer story to where it was divulged to me what my father's nationality was. But over time, I've gotten a better understanding. And actually, after doing a 23andMe thing, um, I found out I found family and got to know them. And so there's a lot of imposter syndrome in feel, working on this show with everyone who's very talented and having no like being welcomed in and be like, no, you like, you're here. So. I, it was an interesting space to be like, I sure it's there, but I, how do I, am I properly, am I the right person to tell the story? I always like to point this out too. When I was first playing tabletop RPGs, Ken was one of the first people I ever got to play with. And we definitely cut our teeth with a traditionalist uh, uh, GM. And I, when I say traditionalist, I think a lot of the times when you start, and then especially in the time frame that we started in, I think a lot of the times that GMs learn to be antagonistic first instead of collaborative. <laughs> and and we're in the stage right now of tabletop role-playing where we are very much changing that thought process. I dare anybody to find a traditionalist GM anymore that is moderately successful. And I think, I think especially with Ken and I being like some of the older ones on the cast, we're very much, uh, okay, I did this. How's Connor going to punish me at this point? <laughs> like when is Jordan just going to backstab me? So it's a, uh, I think Ken and I especially are very much in the space where we're unlearning those feelings. Right? Yes. I have wow. the answer for you as to where this came from. If you want to know. Connor, anytime you want to talk to me about GM theory, you just, let me pour a glass of red wine and let me just get comfortable, dude. <laughs> the secret origin of this whole collaborative storytelling movement, I guess, I believe 1,000% came from the play-by-post community, the Neopets role-playing forum boards. <laughs> that is correct. 
Yeah, like uh, <laughs> there, there are so no invested in this conversation right now. <laughs> like back on Guy Online and Facebook, when people would like have role playing like interactions there, a lot of it was like antagonistic. But like, Neopets was more about doing a quest together. Yeah, do something awesome together was Neopet like the Neopets RP boards like whole thing, mm -hmm. and it happened so many times that it became trivial the speed at which those play by post games would move like during their peak it was like impossible to join one or keep up with one because you would join one and 20 people would be playing and be like oh wow i have to read through all of this just to see where it's going and you could you totally could and some people did like, um <laughs> it was not uncommon to see people respond to a play by post within the hour yeah, yeah, it was wild. If a day passes and you don't look, like, the plot has actually moved, and I, it is, and you can tell that it's not just moving with saying what their character is doing or what scene has been set, but, like, how they're trying to pass the ball to somebody else. Yeah, it was a whole wild experience in terms of role-playing that I think shattered the notion that, oh, we have to do this competitively. It's, no, the way that kids are doing it and, the, and having the most fun doing it is being on a team together. They don't have any rules, which makes it like a little hectic sometimes. And there were no safety tools at all other than Neopet Neopets' like, auto-censorship where you couldn't say the word but. But like, other than that, it was the Wild West of roleplay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Neopets RPG when? That very much takes me back. Like It sparks a memory of... And this is, during, again, showing my age, the heyday of dial-up internet and AOL. Yeah. Role playing in AOL chat rooms and just like doing colon the action you do and then colon the oh, close up like yeah. that very base. And that was that's where I think it's actually more similar where you can just it is more of a free form. It's not just, oh, I have to make sure I did my dexterity check. And I didn't even associate the two until just you said this. And it's very much, oh, okay. Again, like relearning those bad lessons that that previous games taught you or GMs or what have you. Shout out to Neopets for <laughs> making tabletop games possible. We've talked so far about starting a, an Eastwood ERP and Neopets forums, and <laughs> this has just gone so off the rails, and I very much appreciate it. It's, it's, it's on brand for our energy right now. And we'll, we'll fuse mm. the two ideas together eventually, so... Mm -hmm. Oh my Neopets god. Eastwind yeah. ERP. These are going to yep. be expansions for the card game we mentioned. Like, this is going to be like the set that is not necessarily the good set, but people will buy it because of the things on the cards. Oh yeah, like the illustrations <laughs> absolutely make it, and then it's, I can't believe they put this on a card. <laughs> It's not a good card, but I need it. Yeah, exactly. If you want to draw art of Lancer with a sexy Neopet, my DMs are open. Oh, uh, I have some ready then. Okay, cool. So yeah, send it over right now. now Thank I, God okay. I have somewhere to put this. It's 2.8 gigabytes unzipped, so here you go. I mean, mine's a full 3D render, so is that okay? I don't know if you have... <laughs> All right. Uh, I actually prepared so, a scene here from Blender. <laughs> the last question I've got prepped before I turn it over to you all is to Jordan. And it's similar to what I asked JPG, but slightly different. Did you come at creating Cherry slash Lab Rabbit differently than you do characters in other games? Not necessarily in the Reclaimers, but if that's relevant, feel free to talk about it. Did you, like, have a different mindset behind Cherry slash Lab Rabbit than you do in 
other games based off of like the goals and theming of this story. Yeah. A lot of what we end up having for all three of our characters is the big relationship that Asian Americans have with the work environment, whether it's like as a student, as a worker, and how that ties in back with family. So that was a really big thing that we wanted to display. But one of the big things that's described a lot is the way that it's like, for a lot of people of color, it's like, you don't stand out as a big rule for Asians. And if you are anything else beyond Asian, there are like ways that things are like, you can get a lot bigger, but you're also gonna get a lot of different forms of hate while a lot of Asian tradition says stay low. So a, a lot of it was that relationship with that of the whole idea, oh, I want to be bigger. I want to be like a pop star or a celebrity or a hero in this case. And the very idea of wanting to be more than what it means to just be a citizen is kind of looked down upon in a lot of like Asian families and communities, especially Southeast Asian. So I think that was like a big part for that direction. Nobody's speaking right now. Is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> you, you said something sincere and heartfelt. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. ready for it. <laughs> you have to react, Jordan. <laughs> You have more depth than us, and we're all realizing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jokes over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. We'll just... <laughs> Welcome to East Windward's 30 minutes of Sean Connery as Elmo, and then Jordan comes in with deep, insightful knowledge. Okay, like, Elliot, like, also went through, like, the full cut of, like, my Q&A for Bone Rollers, and I think half of it was, like, insight, and the other half was shit posting. <laughs> God, that's a good breakdown, though. That is a good breakdown. That is a good breakdown. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I guess at this point, I'll turn it over to you all, and you can ask each other stuff or talk about whatever, and I will lay out unless I'm needed. So, yeah, who's got questions for each other? I'm I'm gonna go first on this one, Ooh. and it's gonna be it's gonna be pointed back to Jordan. Oh. Uh, Jordan, I wanted to talk a little bit about like behind the scenes stuff. And so we had actually never worked together before in the TTRPG space, but I was familiar with your work through Elliot and Elliot was the one who connected us for this. My question for you, and this is going to be like another big, this is going to be like oh, another no. big brain moment for you. I think for somebody being female identifying and in the AAPI space, why do you think it was so hard for somebody like me in order to cast for something like this, where I was specifically looking for somebody female identifying. Honestly, I think that within tabletop spaces, there is just a smaller population. One of the hard parts is that when you say, okay, and also look for one who isn't white, then you like shrink it down even further. And then if we say, okay, somebody who is a person of color and now narrow it down to Asian and then narrow it down to AAPI or Southeast Asian, there aren't really that many and that for better or worse makes a lot of the experience kind of a like a unicorn life where yeah I get to feel special because like I gotta have representation in a voice that I don't think shows up a lot this also is double-sided because and this is gonna also tie back to future questions I'm sure I am not going to I am the main representation that I know for people who are like me <laughs> If oh my god, you get to be a literal icon. 
<laughs> Honestly, that's like really flattering. So that's why I want to, God, I need to like make sure that I work on my best stuff more and like really focus in on getting the time and attention for everything because I want to put best foot forward for as much work as I can. But yeah, that's a real thing though. It's a mix of like population and a very thin Venn diagram plus a culture that doesn't really promote it for trans people, marginalized genders, or Vietnamese people. It is like a very like specific cross-section that just doesn't show up a lot. But I should. Uh, I think the same question is going to be going to Ken and Connor on this one as well, too. Um, Y'all are just like dirty half-breeds, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. I was going to wait to bring this up. I, I ended up getting, this was like right as I was like deciding I wanted to grow my hair out longer. I have Lancer's haircut, but it's also a mullet, Jason. Oh, it's also so a sorry. mullet. So, yes. oh, so I, I, have, I have taken, <laughs> I have taken this very cool thing from a Filipino man and I have gotten it a little dirtier and whiter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, wait, jokes aside, though. Jokes aside, though. When I... Connor, you've been in this project at the very beginning, so I'm going to go with Ken first on this one. Ken, knowing that you are... That you consider yourself, like, biracial, what sort of... I guess, did you have... What sort of reservations did you have about, like, joining this space with us? As I spoke to a little bit earlier about just the imposter syndrome of just, I don't belong here and I'm just, I'm at two, I think I'm the token white guy, I'm the mixed guy. Here we are. That's what I do. Don't, I felt very, I hope, I hope I don't bother anyone with my complete lack of knowledge. That's one thing too, as I'm learning more and more about my heritage, I've learned that I'm Thai Dom by way of Sun La, Vietnam, but also it's like getting to understand what that is because the, we I was working with another Viet actress and being like, okay, how do they feel that? And that's one thing I never, that would, may have been one of my questions coming up is, Jordan, how did you, was there any, oh, is this, not, I don't know, the, you sound, you're far more understanding, so I don't think you're like, oh, he's impersonating, he shouldn't be here. What is this person doing? But it was definitely co conscious in my head of l seeing what others brought to the table and how they brought their history to the table where when we discuss oh you know like we're gonna get dessert i'm like oh my like i have this one dessert that my cousin showed me uh i believe it's called cheban lot which they definitely feel free to correct me uh it's a chindle it's a pandan jelly pandan grass jelly in coconut milk and over ice and i love it <laughs> and it's, so it's yeah i know and it's thank you and i was just like that's something where it's, that's one of those little things that i have because my cousins introduced introduce it to me now i didn't have that three years ago and these are all new things that i'm pulling into me and accept and how does that register in that a lot of my and also growing up i always some people one one time a, a childhood friend of mine his parent was like oh you're mixed what is your mom or, or dad asian and i'm like oh you can tell you can see that i always thought that i just looked pretty like i was just a white kid and no one really thought much of it even though i knew that i was mixed and so having those few moments where someone recognizes that I'm like, oh, that's a different feeling and it feels good, but it's also, I hadn't identified with that too much and gotten to know that heritage until more recent things. So it's not something where I can feel like, oh yeah, I remember having certain events or holidays and how does that affect my character bringing that to the space, working with all these other great AAPI actors. So I don't know. It felt daunting 
to a certain degree, but also part of it was just get into the game and roll with it and learn as you go. And that's going to be the best way for you to identify yourself in the space. And that was where I went with that and how Kai came about and how his relationship with his mother changed things. And that's, I just took it all and ran is the best way to say, all right, fake it till you make it. That was my plan with Kai. God, not feeling Asian enough is like one of the most American Asian experiences. <laughs> it really is. I, but it, and because I've, I've got a lot of serious thoughts on this. Like I, I stand in direct opposition of anybody who thinks that like gatekeeping is a good thing to do because it isn't. So like for people like, can I want, I want to assure you right now, like nobody who cares about you will ever tell you that you're not Asian enough. Because you're as Asian as you are. That's just how it works. Whether any other person tells you that ever, like, you are. Like, that's just how it works. You, like, like you said, like, because I've got similar stories to you where it's, I was, I, like, walking around Walmart with a white bomb, me and my brother, like, two, especially when we were kids, we looked like just two little Filipino boys. And so it's, it was so, such a, like, strange experience for like people to see our mom and then see us and then like comment on how different we are because that was like a thing that they felt invited to do and there was like in like it was so that i guess that's part of it then is you're always going to be perceived as an other so i'm sorry about that kid but like that doesn't invalidate who you are like we're all perceived as others to somebody. But yeah, I think that you never want to, you never serve a community by making it smaller, right? So like trimming away and paring down those that you view to be less pure is never going to make a movement stronger ever. And so one as important as something like racial solidarity, it really only like benefits the least secure people in the world who feel like they need to consolidate their own Asianness by excluding other Asians is like such a weird level of toxicity that like, yeah, like if anybody would ever say that about you, Ken, like I can say right now is like the GM of Eastwind, like they won't be invited on to Eastwind, the <laughs> the only Asian masks podcast right now. So, <laughs> so take that, gatekeepers. <laughs> so hopefully I answered Jason's question. Oh yeah. Yeah, you did. Don't worry. Yeah. It was windy and it got there eventually. Yeah, I don't remember what the question was, but I do remember the thoughts that you inspired with your discussion. Who's going next with questions? Ooh, I've got the questions from my mom. Um, I can't do my mom's voice. So, Elliot, if you'd like to, to <laughs> yeah, be don't. my mom for <laughs> Don't do your mom's voice. Don't do your mom's nope. voice. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, just do anybody's voice. My first voice. question has to be asked as your mom. Oh, my. That was, a, that was both... Off? That was both Elmo and Smeagol at the same time. <laughs> yeah, there oh was a God. darkness to it. Wasn't there was a there? darkness. Yeah. A dark side I was, Elmo. I was hoping so badly. You're like, you know what? That was actually between Elmo and my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Weird that you like it did nail it. <laughs> Why are you so good at that? Why are you so Weirdly <laughs> enough, my mom half Muppet. I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually, yeah, I'm a couple of halves. <laughs> so 
Ken found out about his <laughs> racial background, and now today Connor has found out about his. <laughs> I always thought Connor had Muppet energy. I've always thought that about myself as God. well. <laughs> I can't believe you got like racially retconned in the Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> All gonna... right, so I will go ahead and ask this question as it is typed in chat. Okay, my first question has to be asked as your mom, LOL. But you can branch off from this in so many areas. Another LOL. So oh, throughout Connor's childhood, he always left stories. He won the young authors in first grade. Of course, yeah, of course your them. mom. Of I know. course your mom had to brag about you I in know. the freaking <laughs> you peaked in the first grade. I did. <laughs> Sorry, Elliot, keep going. I never won another writing award after that. So. No, you're good. We appreciate good moms on this podcast, so <laughs> shout out to Connor's mom. He wrote them, he told them, he acted them out in costume and with figures. Nerd. <laughs> His whole aim was at what he is doing now, GMing and role-playing. I'm curious if they all started the same way or how each of them got involved in this world. And did you always know you somehow wanted to create characters and stories? So yeah, I'm assuming yeah. that's at the three of our cast members. Let's start with that first. Who wants to go first? Jordan, Ken, me? Yeah, I can go. Yeah, so my sister and I had our playing pretend was very close to role-playing games in the first place. Yes, every kid like will play pretend on playgrounds or with toys and stuff like that. But for some reason, we would always involve numbers and like grids. <laughs> incredible <laughs> so we would be like seven years old never touched an rpg before i was like okay we're playing for 10 but what if we added stats and a grid and oh we God. would actually like and we didn't have access to grid paper so you would actually take like rulers and stuff like that and make our own grids and maps and stuff like that I, i'm nope. so mad at you because <laughs> me and my siblings did the same thing hell yeah we we developed this game where we would draw characters assign them stats place them on a map, like a grid board, card field, and essentially made our own like trading card game with our own original characters. 100%. And... <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I remember for a long time, I wanted to be in video game development. And though I have like way too many STEM degrees now, after a certain point, I think during like middle school or high school, I learned what like a lot of the process looked like. I was like, wow, I have like, a big focus in STEM now. But this is miserable. I don't want to do this. <laughs> so it was this like a wavering place for a little bit of not really. I wanted to like tell stories. I wanted to like design games and I wanted to represent a lot of different ideas that inspired me. But yeah, video game design just wasn't the direction I wanted to go anymore. And so it was like that way for a long time. And then I started LARPing <laughs> and that changed everything. Returning back to playing pretend with a bunch of people, <laughs> just like right? how you were with your sister. Yeah, but now instead of with my family or the kids at the children's playground, it was like <laughs> with the smoker nerds because it was World of Darkness at the school <laughs> or the local children's playground. <laughs> yeah. So what about what about Jason or Ken then? Like, did either of you like have like whole phases of your life where you just laid pretend for hours and hours and hours and hours? And you want to go next or do you want me to? I'll jump in first and you follow up. Sure. Um, so, yeah, definitely 
absolutely hours upon months of years of playing with toys and just even though yeah i know this is donatello but he's also the lead character in this little play i'm doing on the stage where donatello and april o'neill are going to have their own stories tied in with the gi joes and everyone's going to play together like that storytelling was always there so it was there from an early point and also just comic books uh helped to just build out more characters that i'm going to love and but there was a fair amount of using the toys as the my avatars on, on, on the sidewalk stage that I had worked with. It was usually in that. And of course, it's led to me still buying far too many toys today and play, oh, yeah. playing out those stories or setting up a diorama shot or, and then be like, yeah, that's a great shot. And then having that story in my head of, oh, this is Duke infiltrated this area. And even if it's just for me, I still have that storytelling aspect from childhood. And but actually, one thing that's great now is that there's if you on Instagram, there's people who have just storytelling with action figures, dioramas, they do their own. Oh, this is how the X-Men fought the Avengers. And they are up more opportunities for people to get those stories out there, whereas opposed to when it's just kids, you're like, oh, I guess the three the three kids around my neighborhood when we're playing, that's the story we're doing. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know that community existed on Instagram. That's super cool. Yeah, it's there's a couple out there. There's ones that does like I mentioned, does the Marvel Legends. There's one that has a, they do clone stories from the Clone Wars for Star Wars. And oh, they've done their entire, and their own battalion and the Jedi that was with them. And they built all that out and people get in, enriched in that story. They always want to, I want to hear more. And like that, those creators can, that's just one more opportunity for someone to tell their story. But to, that all comes from, yes, I played with lots of toys as a child and built stories, built stories for everyone and even kit bashing figures. And, oh, I can take this figure apart because there's one screw in the back and I can swap around their arms. I'm talking about O-Ring Joes for those who might be curious. And you can easily put together that character again. OK, now he's got these arms. So this is a completely different person altogether. This is no longer Duke's body on Tunnel Rat's head on this, that and the other thing, like just creating those uh, moments for myself. I guess that was like my fledgling RPG those were your time. first characters you made. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that what you mean, though. I've done that with when I was a kid, I and mean, maybe as an adult still, uh, with action figures where it says, this is Gambit, but this is the Gambit that I'm imagining, which is different and maybe more consistently written sometimes. I, love, <laughs> I absolutely love that it's Gambit because I know that I loved Gambit, and I remember getting his figure with the plastic trench coat that he had, but I also know how much JPG loves Gambit, and so I love that there's this through line. Of, oh, no, the, we, Gambit's universally loved, right? This is going to come out here saying, no, I hated Gambit, and be like, and okay, now we know there's a barometer on this. We know that it's there somewhere. I will say that I don't love Gambit, but that's only because I'm trying to leave room for both of you. <laughs> okay, fair enough. There's only so much love yeah. that can go around. Gambit has three hands. He can hold all three hands of that's, that's people. His, that's one that's of his fair. powers, yeah. I have a joke answer for this, and I have a serious answer for this. What did you want? I desperately want to know your joke answer first. <laughs> I, do, I do want to know your serious answer after that. As a nerd, I... Do not trust anyone that has never created a self-insert or an OC. Ooh, I <laughs> don't trust you as a person if you've never if you've <laughs> never put yourself in the story. I don't trust you. You're just sitting there and enjoying it instead of pretending how you would have affected the plot. Come on. How, how do you go that far in life and not have a self-insert? To reply to that, to the OC thing... It's that I, who am I to think that I could insert one of my characters? I'm not good enough. I can't do that. Never mind. I'm just going to sit back and watch. Never mind. Oh, yeah, that's the part of, but there is there. I think 
I, like when people talk about acting, I think usually it's a matter of every character can have a, a, a sliver of yourself in it. So I guess when I create characters in that way, there are aspects, but it's it's rarely. I, I always feel that you'll get, oh, it'll be a Mary Sue if I insert my own character. So I'm just going to sit back and not do that. Uh, I'll just. But you, I'll, but you still did it a little bit. There is a character named Battlemaster on a sketch somewhere that has like Wolverine's claws <laughs> and Spider-Man's web shooters. Oh but... my god, Battlemaster! So good, so, yeah. Battlemaster's like an A plus self-insert character. <laughs> really good. So that's my joke answer. My serious answer is I, for me, uh, and and to give you a little bit of a background, I I actually studied to be an English teacher. In order to study, uh, in order to teach language and literature, and I was a, I was an English teacher for a little bit. And something that has always been really important to me is the idea of stories and is the idea of mythology. Like when, like religious trauma aside, right? Anything that has persisted through the ages is mythology. It's the idea that we can use stories in order to we can use stories in order to justify why we are here. And, and so when it comes to jumping into the space, especially in the superhero space, which I will always stand by the belief that superheroes are the American mythology. Oh my God, Jason, we need to have a <laughs> 10 hour discussion on uh, Joseph Campbell. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I, I have opinions. And yeah, so, yeah, I feel like so we can it, add another 10 hours just by that word mythology and superheroes yeah. together. Like, oh, yeah. it's so fucking loaded. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I think what I love the best about this conversation is these listeners has have just gone through six episodes of us being idiots. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, Wait. <laughs> and then finding out that we're like, oh God, they actually have smart things to say. It must be such a shock. It's like they've been holding back. Wow. Oh dang. <laughs> yeah, I actually cut all the smart stuff and mm -hmm. put it behind a paywall. So <laughs> the sad part hey, is the opposite is true. That was smart of you. Oh, so genius. <laughs> no, the blooper reel is just 30 minutes of dick jokes, honestly. <laughs> like terrible puns. Uh, terribly awesome. <laughs> and terribly some awesome that, puns. And some things that for very good reason will never make it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what, what else did Connor's mom ask? I want to read this next. Give me yeah. that. Okay. Keep reading. We get to Brit. No, I got it. I got it. Uh, okay. We get to ask each other how they developed their characters for these stories. So what was the thought process for? Yeah, that's a good. Uh, it's my mom, and I'm complimenting my mom. Okay, so <laughs> mom asked a good question. <laughs> I'm going to turn this on you as well, too. So what was the process for developing the world? that we were going to be building for Connor? And then what was the process for developing our own characters for Jordan, myself, and Ken? Oh. Connor, let's go with you next because we haven't heard you in a bit. Yeah, so I have... I So... I do this thing where I, every character I make is, I told you about this. Every character I make is self-insert. Oh, yeah. I, I put a tiny part of myself into every character. Ryan and, Manala was for sure a self-insert. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, say. yeah. The You mean the enthusiastic superhero helper? I don't know what you're talking about. That's not, no, something I would never picture for myself. On brand at all. I, I love that Skeleton was the other self-insert. Oh, yeah. Skeleton was absolutely the other. <laughs> I, like, there, were, there are points of my life where it's, I am Skeleton. <laughs> mm. But so, like, 
creating like the villains. Like, obviously, I'm not a vampiric racist that wants to like leech off the success of other communities, but I made them siblings because one thing I do understand is loving and caring about your siblings, which I think like, I, and I've, I know that that's a universal thing in all cultures, but like it, for Filipinos, it's, it's different. Like it just is. And I don't even know that I could quantify it, but you just have to grow up seeing white siblings and Filipino siblings acting together to, to really get that context. But I like, that was the part of myself that I put into the villains was, um, these are three siblings who care about each other and who want each other to succeed. They were still very awful people. But yeah, I to to make my characters, I find out where I can empathize with them. And then I, I f make them feel more real from there. Ryan is someone who wants to be helpful. And so what's he do? Well, he finds the superheroes and he helps them. Like... And then, and to some degree, like I'm in every single one of those characters and I do that so that way they feel real. Like I don't want the characters to feel one dimensional. I don't want you to feel like you're interacting with this one sided game where the story is going to happen regardless of what you do. I want everything to feel real and responsive and, and natural. And so to do that, I make every character a person. But yeah, that, that's a long answer. I think the short version of that answer is to put the Connor inside the machine. But what about you all? How do you all de develop your characters in their stories? I kind of uh, went through a good amount of mine already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in terms of, I guess, the distinction here, though, that, I, that I'm most interested in, and I have no idea if this is what, like, a listener would want to hear, but, like, when it comes to the actual creative process, like, what sort of... What sort of things do you do to get inside the head of your character? Do you put more of yourself into them or do you try to like, cause I know people who, who have like a list of a hundred questions that you like, it's like from one of those, like a hundred questions for your partner, Buzzfeed article things that they do, that they write for their character every time they make a new character. And I know people who will write pages and pages of like short story content for their characters. I know everyone kind of handles character creation a little differently. And even for myself, when I'm making like a player character, I can't really know who they are until I see like a picture on Pinterest. Yeah. That inspires me. So one thing I think about a lot is because I'm going to try to represent being at least some form of Asian or Southeast Asian character. And a lot of times the settings I'm playing in are understandably America. And this is one thing that a lot of white players don't really have to think about enough, but it's like, why is your family here? <laughs> because yeah. for most people I know, most people like don't have their families here for like multiple generations. It isn't an, a, oh, we've always been here thing. Like either your parents or your grandparents came here is like one of the main cases for a vast majority of oh us. Oh my God. I didn't even realize that was something I was doing until you just said that. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and so that's why I have a lot of characters that are like honestly here be like because of the setting. So this will happen a little bit over it for my other Infinity City character as well of this character being a response to the setting for yeah, kaijus and like big monsters and goofy tech is a big thing here. And here it was like we had a literal 
alien invasion. And we know that if really bad things happen and a lot of really big prizes happen, you that there's going to be a massive Asian immigration population <laughs> of the population of like people working here to either pick up the scraps or reverse engineer or re-engineer the scraps. And that is a story that I honestly live in. Both me and my partner have, or one of my partners have like parents or family that work in Boeing, for example. And then oh, I know people who have like parents in like Microsoft. I move place to place and it's like always near like different huge businesses around like Washington. So that's a huge part of why the Asian and Indian populations are really big, at least around my neck of the woods, due to like responses and technology culture. And if you're in an in city or if in Infinity City, the technology culture is going to primarily be about defenses and weapons and like the way it's used for superheroes. So I really wanted to that side of being a citizen. That's oh God, so I had cool. a serious answer again. Damn it. No, yeah, that was so good though. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. I love that that is your approach to like truly understanding your characters, like finding you what you have live in common. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'm going to try and start doing that more when I'm making characters. Because, like, I know that, like, to make an interesting character, they have to want something and they have to have a personality. But, like, the thing that, like, a lot of people don't think about to get in the character's shoes is, like, how do you actually live in their shoes? <laughs> yeah. Like, what does life look like? Because if we think about, like, real life and a lot of real life people... They don't have interesting personalities. A lot of real people don't yeah. have. A lot of people have. <laughs> don't ha and they, a lot of them don't know what they want to do. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like not as interesting as a lot of these characters, but they still live somewhere. And I like think they're still human. Yeah, I think there's a great degree of people that are that feel like rather than being defined by the thoughts they think, they feel more like they are defined by their circumstances, especially when you're young, because when you're young, you don't know what you're thinking at all. Um, and you don't control your circumstances at all. I mean, yeah. not that most adults do. But, yeah, but they're um, like so defined by their friends, family, and media. Exactly. Wow. God dang. Good. <laughs> I just want to pop in real quick to say that nobody should ever let Jordan fool them. She is one of the most thoughtful and intelligent people that I've ever had the joy of playing tabletop games with. I, yeah, I would go so far as to say that about all of you all. I like this is a killer group, Elliot included, because like I've played with you, Elliot. I know <laughs> this is yeah, this is just we nailed a lot when we put this together. Like, no, it's been like a magical experience for like numerous reasons. I love it. It's same. Um, Somebody else, please answer. Yeah, yeah. Jason or Ken. <laughs> After an answer like that, I'm just going to go ahead and sign off. <laughs> I can't no. get I can't get that uh, smart. I, I, I waste all my brain power on the other thing. <laughs> Unless you want an Elmoy voice, I'm done here. This is pointless. <laughs> I... <laughs> oh, sad part is this by all this. No, I got a fucking math degree. Like, <laughs> God. I didn't go to school for English. <laughs> yeah so jason put an mm -hmm. put everything that we just <laughs> said can you find the more eloquent way to trace that oh god i think <laughs> okay to go back to the original question which is like <laughs> uh, which i'm like what sort of thought did we put into yeah. our own characters god i put in an inhuman amount of thought into the characters that i play because 
Um, this is going to be placed on the internet and it's going to exist in some capacity for forever. I, uh, I try my absolute best, but I think there are both. There are both like not in inside jokes doesn't it that doesn't really do justice for what I think I'm doing. At least I put in things into my character that I hope you notice if you've listened to the things that I've put out. Right. First and foremost. Anytime I create a character, the name of the character is always going to give you a clue of what type of character I'm going to be playing. Uh, I played Lancer in this, and both his superhero name and his real name actually gave you hints as to what was going to be happening. So with Lancer, right, it served two purposes. Number one was that a Lancer is, is like one of the first people in traditional warfare in order to just be out there, right? And then the other type of a Lancer, Lancer could be short for Freelancer as well, which that's what I was doing for Taxama when, you know, when we were dealing with them. With Leo, though, his full name is Aurelio de Armas. And, and, it, and I wanted to talk to the fact that he is his own weapon. No matter if he has superpowers or whatever else, I wanted to make sure that he was solving his own problems through the training and the things that he has learned. And, and yeah, when we talked about this uh, privately, just myself and Connors, yes, I do have powers. It's very few and far between where I actually use them in a way that is considered superhero comics. -y. And then also at the same time, like I, we wanted to, we wanted to try and say something about overseas Filipino workers. We talk about this in our session zero, but like the main commodity, the main export that the Philippines has is people. It's not something that they produce. It's who they produce that makes sure that the country is still running. And I wanted to give off that same sort of feeling when, when I was playing Leo, I wanted to give the feeling that like this dude has the world on his shoulders and is going to find a way to consistently beat the odds. I love that because I mean, like it there. So there's this like inclination there that like this character could be the, uh, like the, uh, the subject of a lot of tragedy, but because of, because of the energy that you bring to him, like he, he only ever feels like a hero and it, it's so good. You do such a good job with Lancer. I think a, a big part of this as well, too, was like the idea that he is a leader by default, right? He's, and I think when we do find ourselves in our respective Asian communities, yeah, like I think all of us have felt that push of you have to represent us, please represent us in this moment. Yeah. One thing I find really fascinating with it is also like the narrative term Lancer, like the one that's like in opposition or foil to the leader. Uh, oh, and yeah. he still is a leader in this case, but like a traditional like narrative TV tropesy Lancer is like somebody who like bounces off in more like stern opposition to the party or like somebody who like is very much like taking their resolve and making like that the like main objective above like the emotions along the way so having a character is that both leader and lancer is like a real treat to it because you have these other two over here which are like different levels of not unprofessional necessarily <laughs> but like you can say less for me, about that's fine <laughs> yeah less <laughs> about the mission in itself <laughs>
<laughs> I'll say. Like they they are they like take different pieces of like their humanity beyond the mission. So I find that like really interesting have a character named Lancer who is like narratively also both leader and Lancer. I didn't even catch that, but God dang, you're absolutely right, Jordan. I love that. I love that actually. Yeah. Like this notion that like, what would happen if you put Hawkeye in charge of the Avengers? And I mean that like the comics Hawkeye, not the, but yeah. So Thunderbolts. Yeah, yo, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. But in the Thunderbolts, because everyone else is a criminal, it's Hawkeye doesn't ha- get the time to be the rebel that he wants to be. And I think that if you were to put Lancer on a team where he wasn't in charge, he like I have to believe it would look a lot like that too, where it's like he would spend a lot of time questioning the other leader because at the end of the day, like Lancer got as far as he did because he had to trust himself to in his judgment and of course like he does trust his team too like i'm not trying to diminish that but yeah lancer's just got this like very cool like you said leader lancer thing going it's funny because in my first nerd brain goes oh leo like leonardo he's the leader and that's (laughs) automatically where brain tree goes god what a deep fucking name (laughs) (laughs) and i also think leo as in like astrology has like oh this is very forward as well oh yeah yeah (laughs) There were a lot of thoughts into when I would, what I wanted to use as their first name. And I went with Aurelio specifically because it, the meaning of it is gold. It's yeah. the idea mm-hmm. that we, we have a, there's a, there's like a financial significance to it, but there's also like a cultural significance, especially with Filipinos, because there is a, there is something in our culture that makes us want to stand out. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, and I thought of all the gold jewelry that my dad used to wear when I was a kid and to have this front of this is who I am. I, and you need to respect me and you need to think that I am expensive or you need to think that I am worthwhile. Right. Like yeah. it, it, like that's how much thought went into this actual name. Yeah. It's so big for a lot of story and culture to it. Cause like so much, it's like half of, oh yeah, I need to do this for myself, my ego, but also my family. And the rest of it is, isn't it like also the, largest seafaring like population on the planet (laughs) just about yeah Yeah, i think that i have read that somewhere there are more sailors from like around the philippines and like adjacent southeast asian areas otherwise just because so much of the economy is like coming in from like hundreds of thousands to millions from around there just dedicated to this like seafaring occupation it's wild this is why we need more stories around there because that is right? just a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> like oh, sorry guys, I wanted to I wanted to point to Ignition for a little bit on this as well too. Because not only is Ignition battling with the fact of like he is of mixed race, but also the fact that his mother is one of the most famous supervillains like in in our story. For real. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about, I guess. Ken, how were you dealing with this both like culturally and both like family dynamics wise, right? What were the points that you wanted to hit and with that and something that you wanted to make sure that was known to our audience? Yeah, and that's it actually ties into the comment earlier about the self-insert stuff is that Ignition, like Ignition is probably one of the most self-insert characters I've played in previous role-playing games. I've done, okay, this is Dick Grayson, but what if he was in medieval times? That's just going to be the easiest way for me to wrap my head around the character real quick and start playing. Okay. So he's lawful, good, maybe a little chaotic. Like it's a very much easy way to 
to build another character around an existing property for me to play just for fun. Whereas with this, Kai came to Taksama the same way I came to this podcast in that I came to it to learn more about myself and also more about certain cultural aspects that I may have been cut off from initially. And so part of it was seeing how this character would deal with being part of Taksama, then also dealing with that heritage on the Irish side. With what Connor was saying earlier, like the Hawkins, there are three siblings who all, they're still like manipulative and they are taking advantage of everyone else, but they still love each other. On my, on the mother's side, that is not the case. And they can be very toxic and cut each other off and not be working towards their own goals, but only assisting each other when it serves them. And so it has some of those undertones where to see that that character that I initially built out as, oh, this is going to be Kai's mom. She's going to be the supervillain that ties to his uh, playbook. So that, so we know, okay, that's going to be the villain. And then have her come up so quickly and right off the bat, essentially out of nowhere, because he hadn't seen her in so long, was very, it put me on my heels. I had definitely had to take a step back and realize Kai's being as shaken by this as Ken is and trying to work out what his relationship is at that moment, how it's going to relate back to the next day or when he speaks with his uncle and what that what that impacts him for the rest of you know just the rest of that session and how that's going to go forward. And but also that that working with the team, I was able to have those moments where we would the do something that would keep us focused on how to help the community that we're trying to be a part of. And so it definitely was a balance more of Kai and Ken in that same role. Whereas other times that hasn't been the case. I feel like I went on a tangent. I apologize. No, I no, know that's fabulous. Yeah. That definitely answered the question. Yeah. I, I really, like you said, the parallels that you mentioned, the both you and Kai trying to explore what it means to be Asian for for yourselves. I love that journey. It's that's very cool, and I in it, it ties into that it, the imposter syndrome that you mentioned earlier. Because like imposter syndrome is something I can so relate to in just about everything I do. It's like, why are people letting me be here? <laughs> but like with Kai and you specifically, it you're both coming at this as if you already assume that you're an outsider, which is, I, it's something that's relatable to a lot of people. You never realize you're in a friend group until someone, until the, someone else says it, right? Like you can't be the one that says we are friends. You can be, but like you won't, or I, at least me, I don't feel it until, yeah, it's not true until someone else believes it, I guess maybe, or something along those lines, but it's, yeah, it's just something that I, find very relatable in, in Kai's story. I wanted to move on to Jordan's questions, especially because like they speak a little bit to the six episodes that we had just completed. Uh, Jordan, would you mind taking the lead on that one? Okay, to everyone, has a fictional moment, scene, or character ever really made you feel seen? And I guess this can be like two different questions as well of like your experience with like external media versus like your experience with role-playing games. I'm going to challenge people to give, so, so for us, I want to challenge you to, to give us like one, like external media and one inside of our story. Could we yeah. do that? Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. I, I can 
really quickly, easily cheat here and just say that, yeah, like I, I love the story. The thing that I felt seen on is Kai's imposter syndrome of like, my parents a super villain. Do I really belong here? I don't feel Asian enough. Do I really belong here? Like both of those things are things that I felt seen inside the story, I think is just, uh, it's just like with Kai's overall whole arc. I can definitely see that a lot. And I feel bad for hopping on and stealing the same answer, but there's, I think the idea of just not feeling enough of what you're apparently supposed to be is just a really bizarre feeling <laughs> that like, I very much vibe with just because like there is no guidebook to it and you don't have a lot of media representation to say oh this is what I'm supposed to be as well or like things that I can be and unless you have like older siblings and that for a lot of like Asians that is the, that is like its own bag but but like for a lot of them like there aren't a lot of other generations like parallel or above to look at so like yeah. a lot of time like your relationship with your parents might be like all you have as a representative but their experiences are a thousand percent unrecognizable to your own context and that's yeah. what makes like the experience so distinct and difficult and because like, being agents sorry being agents like not the worst form of like representation like the hate crime is a very bizarrely different form of hate compared to others. Like, I, I don't think, yeah, like, it, it, we aren't like hunted the same level as consistently until the recent surge again. But yeah, um, and there isn't a huge history of it. But the bizarre thing is that we don't have a lot of our own representation and representatives, despite being a massive population as well. It's a bizarre mix of just being like the most like marginalized of marginalized despite not being the most punished <laughs> yeah like i and i to tie into that like i oh you know what i'm sorry ken you were yeah, gonna say please, something please go ken yeah yeah oh, no, so I, and i do, hopefully don't derail the thought make a note so you have it in your head yeah um yeah. but there's also there's the weird discussion too because there is the well, I want to say that Jason may have said it on another podcast, but there's also there's you deal with Asian erasure and culture. And but then you also like when the when Shang-Chi was getting ready to come out, we also by making Shang-Chi no longer mixed, you also had mixed erasure. And you're like, OK, it's it feels better that Asian-Americans can have that representation on the screen. But then also if you're mixed and you're like, oh, cool, he's oh, he's not. OK, that's it's still good. And so you have this weird spot where you're like, my plight is nothing compared to so many others. So I'm going to quietly sit down. But it is <laughs> it's just something you note in your head. You're like, OK, that's OK. That's a different thought. And where do you fit? There's a really funny college humor sketch with Kelly Marie Tran and <laughs> Mike Trapp about the Asian council and like, mm -hmm. how much can you claim? And I've always loved that because I'm like, OK, cool, I'm half. But what do I actually get to say? I, my my aunt's pho was really good, and I loved the sticky rice. But does that mean outside of to anyone else? And how does that come across? And yeah, that it's a weird space where you're like, you're looking for you're eager for more representation, but then it's like, what does it mean when yours is like another subset? And I think yeah. that this, and also then, how much can you claim as? Oh, I feel like that represents me to be to the, speak to being seen. There's if anyone has seen the new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie, hopefully it's not spoilers for anyone, but there's a character in the in the movie called Podcast. Um, he is played by Logan Kim, and I 1000 percent am like, that was me as a child. <laughs> and to the point that he he wears a shirt that I wore. It's on my Instagram because it's like he's wearing the same like clothing that I would wear. He records a podcast. I used to record like little radio shows with my friends on cassette tapes. 
and like we'd make do these things and like here's and he essentially gets gets to become a ghostbuster and i'm like i love the ghostbusters as a kid my mom sewed me a ghostbuster flight suit and seeing that kid even at 30 40 seeing that i'm still just like oh my god like that's a encapsulation of me and yet also i have this weird part in my head of being like oh but he's i think he's korean and i'm closer to vietnamese but that's even different from Taidam from my understanding and i don't know where that lands and like finding representation and then not knowing if you can claim it is a weird scenario not it's not to it's just a, another yeah. different lens it's such a goofy thing that reminds me because you mentioned the whole like shang chi thing but in guardians of the galaxy and like comics it's like this weird fetishized vietnamese alien and then like in the mcu this Vietnamese alien is played by somebody who's like a half Korean alien. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. God. I hate the way that I think my sister described it. Oh yeah, like it's not like this actress is not Vietnamese, but she's like half Korean, half normal. And I was like, I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. So Connor, you had a thought. Hopefully I didn't we didn't lose it. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. It is tied to this whole discussion overall. And uh, it's, I guess it might be more closely linked to what Jordan was talking about earlier. But the idea of the racism that Asians face is it like a whole different flavor than what <laughs> exactly like, words. What, yeah. yeah <laughs> what like specifically like black people face, like some like just a level that is just so much statistically worse than it. Like it's nightmarish, but I also get, it's also not a competition, right? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> because no matter what, none of us are winning anything. Um, but like, to tie into like half Korean, half normal, or <laughs> what is something that we can be a part of? What can I claim as someone who's half Filipino versus what Ken can claim versus as in terms of representation? I do prefer things that are much more like intersectionally inclusive. This idea that the more you trim away from something, like the better you make it like we're not diamonds and diamonds are dumb anyways but like when it comes to like the racism that asians face it is different in that because we're perceived as a model minority that gives us like some leeway in some very specific instances where mm -hmm. and i don't know if maybe this is something that like um jordan like you could touch back up on with your sister specifically is this idea of like normal the default how i didn't realize that people perceived me as asian until i was like 16 i didn't even like the idea of like race wasn't even something i had thought about until i realized that other people see me as a different race <laughs> and it's oh dang Oh, um, no, like, it's a weird thing. I talked about how like, the racism feels different, but we experienced it like when we were like four and moved immediately. Yeah, and it's yeah. wild because you have to be like a like for you have to be like a special type of like white racist in order to like specifically hunt Asians for like how aggressive you are about it. But the weird thing for like our normal experience is that we didn't get to feel like normal Asians because like a lot of the hate we got was actually by a lot of Chinese, Japanese, and Korean groups. Jeez. Like, 
like it's a bizarre thing of the, the word normal is like a, a bit of a joke for it of yes like this is like second like we are the second class asians or like the marginalized asians <laughs> it, it, it's a bizarre experience to really describe it and then like the other half of the coin is well the racism isn't as aggressive a lot of the time when it hits as well <laughs> yeah it's a lot more like passive and it's yeah like, like you serve it, a role exactly yeah and different and you are like lower status and yeah all of that is just it's mm -hmm. it's it's never mm -hmm. so explicitly punishing bizarre things like if it's not lower status it's also like exoticized like yeah we, or, I mean, yeah outright yeah, just talking about, like, yeah if it's exoticized you can talk about like orientalism for a lot of it of, oh yeah i have like my asian girlfriend here or check out these like amazing like japanese products are clearly better in this way in this case and you can tell that a lot of white people say that <laughs> oh yeah with without even thinking they just yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a bizarre form of thing, or Asians are good at math, or you want to put them in tech. It's a bizarre thing of there's so much when you like take all these things of whether it's, oh, they're hot, or they produce this art, or they do this job. It's always about what they can do or what they can serve. So it's like a way to say, oh, yes, you have value, which is a bizarre form of racism in America. <laughs> yeah, it like it is a commodification in a way where and if you like because the other half of like you have value is and if you don't well then your your position can be taken away yeah and i hate to take the conversation the other way as well too but something that happened in the story that i think really represented me but i got to make a different choice connor can you please remind me you made a racist character and then <laughs> I made a racist football team. Yes. And merged <laughs> them together. Yeah. Uh, what was yes. the name of the guy again? What was the name of the quarterback guy? It was based on the acid. Right? Yeah, it was based on the acid found in pineapples because I was fascinated with the idea of a villain who whose powers are derived from pineapples. It was bro bromelain. Bro bromelain. Bromelain. Okay. Yeah. It was bromelain in the third hike. Yes. <laughs> And, and like, yeah, he was like this, like do douchey frat bro. He's like, bro, who, <laughs> yeah, has that very specifically like white supremacist toxic masculinity, where it's obviously men are superior, but obviously white men are even more superior. It's sort of yeah. Thing. yeah like, and I think for me, like, why I felt like like I was being seen in that particular interaction is because I've experienced that before. I've experienced where, gosh, I think it was, oh, it was mine. And like, I experienced it with other women that I've dated, but one of the most recent experiences was mine and Alex's one year wedding anniversary, where I had left the table and just two drunk guys came up and were just like, why are you with him? All this other stuff. And they were being obviously racist about it because my wife is white passing and so to get to, I, I, Connor and I did not talk about this before when we had this scene, but it reminded me of past times where when I was a kid and my race was being, uh, uh, my race was being put out there in a negative way. And I don't know if other Asian people have felt this before, but I remember the overwhelming sense of wanting to be white in that moment 
And I, I think, I don't know if I speak for a, a, like a, a lot of us in our, in our community when I say this, but I think that there is a lot of us that at one point we wished we were another race, especially we wished we were white. Yeah. So to tie that to, to, a, in a way that like I can relate to, I grew a beard and wear glasses because it makes me look whiter. Like, yeah. like, like, like tired of being condescended to all the time because people like I would be I think I'm five nine and I would be well I I would have like much shorter people than me walk up to me and say how's my little Asian friend doing and it's like are six inches shorter than me I'm not your <laughs> little anything and uh <laughs> I think you're giving me personally that scene right where I was able to just coolly play it off I was the winner of that conversation. I think that really gives power to what we are trying to do in the TTRPG space, just to where we can play through these and have the right answers and to process the right feelings, but to just have other people get to experience that in the first place too. And I don't know, I think I thought back to that scene and we played it, I think we played it very comedically, but that scene just remind me of all the times where I felt as if I wanted to be another race and I'd never feel that anymore. And it, like, damn, isn't that just mind blowing that we get to make that type of, that we get to have that type of growth? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh man, I feel like this is gone. Okay. I feel like we got <laughs> time for one more question, right? What's the last question we want to end on? Ooh. Do we end on the food one? I have a quick throwaway oh, one. Oh, yes. I will, okay, an, I the will food say, one's my other question. <laughs> I really liked Ken's fan casting question. Genuinely curious, like, what a, what an Eastwind movie would look like. Okay, but, who is your fan cast, and what would they be eating on air? No, <laughs> perfect. Okay. Who's your I fan cast, this. what would they be eating when you see them? I love all of that. I, since I posed the question, I have had the most time to think about it. I will throw out there Forrest Wheeler. He is the middle son. He is, I believe it's Emery from Fresh Off the Boat. He is currently 18 and probably the right age to play Ignition. Oh, that probably, that's a good casting too. I was, try, I was trying very specifically to find the right kind of age cast and get as close as I could. So I'm going with Forrest Wheeler. Oh, wait, sorry. I was on mute. So Forrest Wheeler. Sorry, I'm looking this up. He's the, it, for re easy reference, he's the middle son on Fresh Off the Boat. Oh, that's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, he's, he, like, he's very especially good for Kai. Yeah. yeah. Like, I love that. <laughs> it's also very hard to find, like, search for young Asian actors. Oh, good. There's five. Cool. With Way to yeah. go, America. But yeah. <laughs> it's hard to find, I guess, I didn't even think about that. It's hard to find casting for, for these characters specifically because, yeah, like, there aren't a whole lot of like Asian youth like that are like yeah. represented in. Yeah. Like it's... I had a panic when I read that question, just because I, I can't even think of that many like Vic young Vietnamese actresses. So I'm going to say like Scarlett Johansson or one of my cousins. <laughs> oh, done. Oh well done. <laughs> <laughs> that, that joke never gets old. It that makes old... me laugh every time. Oh, God, that'll never get old. <laughs> Oh God! I actually had a fan cast before this, just because I when we were whenever we have like artwork commissioned, I always want to have somebody ready. Um, so I chose Peng Takon to spell their name. It's P A I N G. 
And then last name is T-A-K-H-O-N. And so that was my face cast for this already. And just... Oh, that's a good look. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Just the biggest... It Holy would be shit, like his, a, ta- his tattoos. I know. Yeah, yeah, so that's the same one I'm looking at. He's and so I'm like, dumb, huh? I'm like so my search history is going to be turned up. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Your search history is going to get real weird. If you're going to take anything from this podcast, it is going to be his abs. <laughs> and there's enough abs to go around because Mm -hmm. i I, like i lost count but i think there's 22 abs there yeah yeah Yeah, so that was i wanted somebody and i say this both as a joke seriously but i wanted somebody to just be like like other world worldly hot you should accomplish huh yeah and i wanted to base lancer off of somebody who has that benefit and still experiences the microaggressions and the casual racism in a way that everybody else does. Because at the end of the day, you could be the hottest Asian person and still experience all of this bullshit. Yeah, and still not be white. Exactly. (laughs) And yeah, so when I was searching around for this would be it. And I think what what he would be eating on screen is it would be like, I don't know if it would necessarily be like a hard Filipino food, but it would just be like snacks that he's taken out of a Balak Bayan box. Like, this goes to the homeland. This is for me. This goes to the homeland. This is for me. And I think that's the energy that that he would be bringing to that. Oh, man. that's Okay. I was going to say, if we're going, if, so your actor is... 25 then i'll adjust mine to 26 so he's a little bit older i'll shift mine to ryan porter uh i'm sorry ryan, ryan potter porter by, by ryan potter uh, he plays ryan, Beast ryan Boy sorry in, yeah in, in titans oh and, he, and i believe he's, he's mixed as well yes, that, yeah. that that helped lens to my that's that's what i go with so that's our if we're going that age range now since we're casting in that space yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the CW version. Uh, a bunch of eighteen-year-olds are played by thirty-year-olds, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, wow, that is a ripped teenager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, he hasn't even gone to prom yet, and he's just yeah. These are my ta- these are my tattoos. It's, it's, it's fine. Doing. Yeah, the, yeah, this character was like covered in tattoos and muscles. Who's like clearly older than the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I do All right. Love that. Good. Yeah. Is this is this a good way to end it? Is this a good way to end it? <laughs> did we get? Did aside from ScarJo, was there any? Did we have a name for uh, Lab Rabbit Cherry? Uh, again, yeah, like, like I, if you went laughing. like if you could go as high as like a thirty year old because CW <laughs> it is Hollywood. Yeah, it is CW sure. casting, so it's going to be yeah. You're going to have someone who's already had two DUIs and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for those who are for those who aren't in our discord <laughs> uh, God. y'all are just posting pictures of my face cast right now if you don't elliot or sorry connor if you would have a fan casting to give jordan another minute would you have a oh. fan casting for ryan oh for ryan oh that's a good one because i feel he's your like within the show he's your most one to one that we could you could probably pull someone from, I, and I believe in the show I already fan casted uh, '90s Kelly Who for his sister at the time, <laughs> but also if she were yeah ten feet tall, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's just a vibe that that Kelly Who had at the time, so I wanted to that was that. For, but for the Ryan character, did we have anyone for that? God, to give you one more second, my food I would have been eaten would have been the Chabon lot I had mentioned, but yeah. <laughs> I think so. This is where it's tough because I 
can't imagine anyone but Ryan as me or as uh, anyone as Ryan but me. Uh, but that's such a lazy answer. I think who would I really want to play Ryan? Gosh, if I were to. OK, because I don't know anybody from like this. I don't know any young actors. Um, I haven't turned on a Disney channel in like. <laughs> a Disney channel. Yeah. <laughs> in a decade Disney XD. Marvel bought us out. So I I could let's see. And he's not Filipino. He's Japanese, but I could see somebody with the Masioka energy playing Ryan, but like a Filipino Masioka. So is there one of those? Um Oh, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Logan Kim is Korean, though. So you have that. And that's the again, podcast from Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm trying to think if there's, I'm like, I'm trying to scrub through all the CW shows that I may have watched in my head. And is there anyone out there? I, was, I thought of one for Lab Rabbit, but I don't know her name. I will say this. So, inverse to Ryan, there was another character who, like, what I like, I kind of riffed, but ended up thinking, like, this guy's coming back for season two. The Dodo. The Dodo. I remember. Would, okay. Yeah. Absolutely get played by. And he would have to like, it would be like a younger, more roided version of, I think, Dante Bosco. Like, oh, check out some <laughs> of his yeah. brothers. Cause they'll, yeah. Oh, does, <laughs> they'll yeah, fit that. I know that it wasn't it, like his niece in the new birds of prey movie or something like that. <laughs> oh, oh found... yes. Yeah. And then, oh, Jordan, what do you think of Lana Condor? That's what I had. Look, no, I was about to post it right here. Uh, no, <laughs> okay. Oh, you fucking got me. Okay. Oh, my God. We definitely read each other on that one. She's 25, oh. and turns out she just moved to Seattle, so that's perfect for me. Whoa. Okay, so run into her and then make sure. <laughs> hey, would when you I play find my her. character on yeah. the movie that we're trying to release? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Marvel just <laughs> bought it, so. Yeah, Marvel just bought it. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Oh, God so damn good. it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing that you found that. <laughs> no, because like I clearly had it like about to send. <laughs> All right, that's perfect. And she has superhero experience as well. Oh. Yeah, she was a Jubilee. She was Jubilee. Oh, shoot, that's right. That's, and Deadly yeah. Class. God, yeah. that was they didn't give her enough screen time. Like it's it true. was a huge crime because like they put so much thought into making the costume look awesome, awesome, and mm -hmm. it did like it oh cool. It, and they're like, yeah, yeah this you, is just too perfect though. Plus, yeah. with like the ability of both of them, like goofy and rebellious, and like while Jubilee yeah. can make a mini nuke, I feel like Lab Rabbit can work her way instead of a mini nuke, like a mini like Nova or black hole or something. Yep. Yeah, you're very right. much the idea of collapsed space. So, like it's like weirdly perfect. <laughs> I I want to watch this movie now. Can I give me this? <laughs> Greenlit somewhere, yeah. Elliot. Did can you license this? Yeah, yeah. On board. yeah. I'll just use all of my excess money I've got lying around to fund exactly. the movie. That's all we're yeah. asking. There's yeah. a lot of money in podcasting. That's perfect. <laughs> Do any of us have like cousin that works at Disney or something that we can just call up and say, "Hey, no, like, the key is that we're gonna have a sponsorship in every single scene." Yes. Yeah. 
like when we have like the suit up scene like there are like advertisements on the suit up scene like on the actual new suits (laughs) they're like sub crinkled up subway subway wrappers every shot and everyone's drinking a snapple with the label facing right towards the camera there it Mm -hmm. is when we're making our Asian dishes, we have so many, like, <laughs> Safeway sponsors. Yes. <laughs> this Safeway's, like, Safeway's our friend of the Asian community. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I sure love all of the brands responsibly sourced from Safeway. There's no H-Mart, there's no Uwajis or anything like that. It's just Safeway. Oh, <laughs> just Safeway. <laughs> Look, you can't tell me that Lancer doesn't have his version of the bad credit card. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he probably does. Texama's very mad about his expense reports. <laughs> They're not mad about the expense reports. They're mad that you don't save any of the receipts. And <laughs> JPG, what? Why do all of your podcast characters have like spending problems? Yeah, they have, it's not that my characters have spending problems. It's that my team has spending. Ca- ca- yeah, they, no, I was about to say is no Taksama is mad that like Cherry has access to the card. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's not me spending the money. It is it is all of my teammates who steal the credit card and then spend the money. Yeah. There are times I, like Cherry plays like rock, paper, scissors at times just to make sure his hand isn't in his pocket so she can teleport it into her pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Kai has it saved on his iPhone so he can Apple pay yeah, with it. It's fresh. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> like oh you god. see like the whole visor comes up with all the data and information and you see it's just the card. You have <laughs> like, like a little RFID ship that you can shoot at as you go machines. Oh yeah, god. scan the Tamagotchi for the <laughs> at the self-checkout. Oh, that's incredible. If we do ever say- do if we ever do a season two, then we'll address all of these concerns. <laughs> yes. Alright, can I get two quick things in before we wrap? Sure. My first thing is my biggest regret of Eastwind is that I could not find the Tamagotchi poop noise to insert into that scene. Oh, dang. I legitimately spent the most time (laughs) editing that episode looking for the Tamagotchi poop noise. I learned so much about Tamagotchis. (laughs) You're welcome. Yes. They have a surprisingly deep and interesting backstory, but that's neither here nor there. There's just behind, like, the development and all that type of stuff. Secondly, I did want to ask, and we can cut this or do it off mic if you want, but if you all have any suggestions on either what I could do better or what you would suggest for groups going forward that I would host in Infinity City. I'll go ahead and go first. My first recommendation is more Jordan, more Jason, more Connor. Um, that's probably going to be my first. And then that's about it. There's no other uh, clarifications. I would, I would also like to add more Ken. I, I'm dissenting opinions. I know the guy. That's, this isn't a good idea. I've met him. Nobody, no. Um, I honestly, Ellie, no notes. Uh, I, uh, like, I would love to give you constructive criticism right now because I think everybody deserves the chance to improve. I don't like, I think you nailed this one. Come on, y'all gotta criticize me or else I can't (laughs) put it in the podcast and it sounds like I'm just tooting my own horn here. No, I think you gave us you gave us a lot of space in order to create what we wanted to create. I think like from a logistical standpoint, a Wikipedia for Infinity City would have definitely helped. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's the thing I've been trying to work on, and yeah, even a fandom can focus honestly. I totally want, get it. Yeah, I can that's... send you write ups for every character I made. Like I can send you that unequivocally. If it would, especially if it would help, if you have any other like spinoffs, like in the vein of Eastwind, right? If you have other groups that like that want to come forward and do the same thing that we did, like I. I know exactly who all my characters are. I can write little blurbs for all of them and uh, pass them on to you. I can, I've even got a little bit of wiki editing experience, not a ton though. So if you put it together, I'll type it all in. That's something I love doing. <laughs> Weirdly. I would say another thing too, just to make sure that we're intrinsically connecting all of the, like all of the side stories to the main story as well too. Um, like. I think what would have been helpful for us if you would have assigned us a couple characters in order for them to show up in any capacity. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would have been dope. Yeah. If you had said, okay, use these two or three, um, and here's what's going on with them, but short of... Because what I like the, a, a lot of what I like the most about what you did, Elliot, is that you gave us a lot of freedom. Like, you, you never once said do this, change that, I don't like this. You just let, and like, made the villains like white vampires explicitly. Mm -hmm. If Elliot pushes back, like I, like I could tone it down. Like it would subvert the message a little, but like I could do it. I'd be okay with sacrificing this as long as the message remained the same. We could have destroyed the entire city without telling him. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I felt like a GM (laughs) telling a story to my players in a shared world. I didn't feel like the the a creator who was bound by certain rules or constraints even a single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like a wonderful feeling of not feeling like an assistant. Yes, (laughs) yes. Because like back during LARP days, there was like one like main like storyteller GM or it's War of the Darkness, so they just call them storytellers. Beautiful name. And everybody else who assisted them and ran scenes were called the judges. <laughs> it was very... And there was, like, clearly a, a hierarchy of, like, narrative control. Like, they, like, judges, like, feedback to the storyteller of what actually happens, what is permitted, and stuff like that. They, like, have a huge lore bible of things that they need to stick with. Power that can't be distributed and stuff like that. Because, like... It, like in a LARP, it's like a large community of like individual stories that have to be like tied in one world. So like it's frustrating that way, but they like they like follow one largely that way. So like in comparison, this was like a lot of narrative freedom. Oh, a specific point that I can remember. Um, like there's a quote here um, that I sent to Elliot. I'm trying to find it. But at one point it was like, Prior to the uh, last two episodes, I sent Elliot a message saying, hey, a giant earth, sentient earthquake might be free inside your city by the end of this. Uh, <laughs> and nobody's going to stop it. I'm so sorry. Um, we just <laughs> I like I, I, we, I we don't have enough time to beat the main villains and this earthquake monster. I uh, hope that's OK. <laughs> and I think you said something. Of, yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to lie. I woke up and read that and was instantly in a cold sweat. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck happened in this series? <laughs> but then I thought for a minute and I'm like, OK, considering Infinity City to be like Marvel, not every loose thread that's left in a Daredevil run has to affect Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way I look at it. <laughs> exactly yeah 
So yeah, if you want to come back to it, that's there for you. If not, maybe the reclaimers deal with it. Maybe it's just a thing that happens off screen. Who knows? It, it's comics, whatever happens. Well, and luckily, the Manolo siblings were able to escape with the earthquake, the sentient earthquake creation <laughs> machine. And then it was totally fine in Kai's in Kai's ma- machine shop. I'm sure I'm remembering everything right. There wasn't a post credit scene or anything where <laughs> it vanished, was there? <laughs> I, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, wait, there was. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Now I'm questioning myself, actually. It should be fine. Yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. I'm sure nobody even wants a sentient earthquake machine. What would that even be useful for? My next character might need to be a sentient earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my heavens! <laughs> oh jeez! Oh my goodness! You're gonna play the child to your own character? Like somehow Cherry <laughs> turned it on. And she like she bumps into it, and then that turns on the shit. It's like, Mama, and now yeah, I shouldn't foretell the future. I should allow the allow it to happen on screen. I apologize. That's the worst opening scene. <laughs> Look, what Infinity City needs is more Summer's family bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody that is their own father and is also younger than their son. <laughs> Oh god. Yep. That's oh that's all summer's goodness. I'm probably gonna cut that. That was a gross sentence to say out loud. <laughs> I mean that's fair. Blame, that's fair. blame Marvel, I guess. That's because yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. not, not even just oh yeah, the son is older than the father, but also the son of the father and a clone version of his mother. Like yeah, like the just... mother is it like the whole Madeline Pryor, uh, Jean Grey, Cable, <laughs> and, and Rachel Summers, Rachel and, Summers. And what about Ruby Summers? Also from an alternate timeline, and and oh no, my. we're not starting this. We have to end it. We're not starting this. <laughs> my goal is to have Infinity City run for so long that it makes as little sense as Marvel does. That's a good goal. <laughs> And I don't want to speak for the monolith that is Eastwind, but I'm sure we'd be happy to come back any and every time. <laughs> and check out our sub pod, Eastwind Night. <laughs> <laughs> Where there will be some very horny Neopets later. <laughs> no, no, it's Eastwind Nights with a K. You all are going to be playing D&D 5th edition. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. just, oh, in, no. in character, GM'd by Ryan. <laughs> so, oh, my. Oh, yeah, oh my heavens. God. Okay, That's that amazing. could be a fun Patreon episode. I'd actually really down. Yeah, that yeah, might be I, thing you we turned me to... on that. I was like, oh, you turned it around. I'm like, wait, this is interesting. I'm on board again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, I'm going to go ahead and run into the wrap-up and then turn it over to JPG and the rest of you all. I say JPG because he's the... I don't want to say he's the most professional. He's the one with the... Most professional experience. He's got a handle on showmanship that I have never figured out, and nor will I. <laughs> you. But yeah, I just want to thank you all for trusting me to edit and host this story and doing this Q&A and say that it was an honor and a joy and I had a lot of fun. So... Run through everything. Tell us where we can find you, your other projects, how people can support you, 
and then we'll sign off. I'm JPG. I am a pop culture consultant and educator. You can find all of my social media at SpeakerJPG, and you can find my TTRPG work, my public speaking, and other work in the pop culture community under my link tree, which is linktree slash SpeakerJPG. JPG is just hopefully months away from going from pop culture consultant to icon. That is the path. <laughs> That's the character arc. God, I wish that'd be... Oh, gosh, yeah. When I get famous, I'm taking everybody with me. Yeah. I would say, once we get to that Thunderstone, we can evolve him to his next form. That's the... <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> All right, Connor, where can people find you and support you? Yeah, so you can support me by just saying nice things about me anywhere you go. Might be strange to people if you just mention my name without any context, but I'll hear it and just know that I've I feel supported. But also, you can like financially support me by buying tickets to the games that I GM for Magpie Games, the creator of Masks, on their website, which I think is just magpiegames.com. I should know this. I work for them. You can just Google Magpie Curated Play and then click on the button with my face on it that says Connor and scroll down like to the bottom of the page where it says currently scheduled games. Find one of those, buy a ticket and just say, hey, I'm playing masks with you now or something. I don't know. That's all I got. All right, Jordan, where can people find and support you? Yeah, I am a pop culture icon. Um, <laughs> um, you sultry bitch. <laughs> figured out your whole arc. Yeah. If you have nice things to say, send it on Twitter at Connor Crunch. If you have mean things, you can find me on Cuttlefish Tweet. And I have my link tree and bio or whatever else I have there. I think that'll do. If only we had one more person to talk about. <laughs> Good news. Ken, where can people find and support you and all that jazz? They can find and support me if they head over to Magpie Games slash pages slash Connor. <laughs> and that's where you can find a good way to support me and the podcast. But you can also head over to Linktree backslash Ken Rolo. There you're going to find a variety of links to Comic Banter, a podcast that I hosted and shall one day return to. And also a listicle of different podcasts I've worked on with Tangential Giants. Uh, as well as a number of other shows. So check me out there. And if you would like to hear more of Eastwind, let us know on Twitter at Elliot Presents or any of the Twitters of the people in this show. And we will get that happening. Honestly, we'll probably get it happening whether you want it or not. But if you want it, we'd like to know. <laughs> I'm a professional and I'm going to shut up now. Thank you all for doing this and being a part of this. And yeah, we will see you all later. Bye. I think we're supposed to say bye. I don't know. Goodbye. Team Rocket <laughs> blasting off again. Bye. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I feel I, like, like there should be like a Tagalog sign off there or no. something to, I don't know. It's Eastwood. Nah. You got Represent. No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I only I only know like eight words in Tagalog. None of them's goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> You're in America. Speak English. It's fine. Is it oh, is it just ways to ask for food? <laughs> uh, no, I know some profanity. <laughs> okay. Good.